Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. Friends, welcome to tonight's episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James. What's going on? Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming out, y'all. I'm wearing this old school flannel. I've had this shirt for about 11 years. Some of you are like, we know. We know. We saw you when you bought it in college. Um, College was more than 11 years ago, too. Let's not talk about that. Um, But let's jump in for tonight's top three Top three. Here we go, y'all. I played golf today because Tina's grandfather said, I want to play golf. And when your person's grandfather says, I want to play golf, gosh darn it, you go and play golf, friends. We're not going to talk about how I played, but it brought up my top three golf memories that I've ever had in my life. Uh, The uh, number three. Number three is I got to play 36 holes out in Oregon at a place called Bandon Dunes. And I was only supposed to play 18, but the people I was playing with were like, yo, we're going back out for another round. You want to go? And we got to play into the sunset at some of the most gorgeous golf courses in the cliffs of Oregon. It was extremely gluttonous, extremely beautiful, and just a memory uh, that I will always have. Shout out to mom and dad being on the call. What's up, mom and dad? Good to see you. Appreciate you being here. Um, That's number one. Or number three, I don't know how to do this. The middle one is I got a hole in one at my home golf course when I was in high school. That's right, West Sable Golf Course, number two. Hole was playing about 136 yards into the wind, hit a pitching wedge, and dunked it, y'all. Let's get it. Let's get it. That's amazing. I don't know where the scorecard is. I have no proof of it. I forgot to submit it to the PGA. Anyway, everything's fine, but trust me, it happened because I bought the drinks afterwards. And next... My favorite golf memory of all time has happened two years ago, almost to the day, is that my whole family got to go to Scotland. And now my dad told me about this. He said, James, your mother and I have decided that we've planning, we're planning our 70th birthday trips, and we're really excited about it. We're going to go to Scotland, and I'm going to get to play the old course at St. Andrews, the first golf course that was ever created. And I said, sounds good, Dad. I'll be there. He said, sounds good, James. You weren't invited. <laughs> so I said, cool, yeah, but I'm going to be there because I'm going to need that memory with you uh, because, I mean, you're not allowed to die, so, like, don't. But just in case you do, I'm going to need to know that I was there for one of the most special days of your life. It will therefore become one of the most special days of my life. My brothers were able to join us. Uh, it was literally my dad's dream for some playing the old course in Scotland on a beautiful day with hysterically Irish caddies, uh, Scottish caddies, not Irish caddies. Uh, that would be even more weird, but it was a really magical moment. Top three, top three golf memories. Next, I was asked, what are my top three favorite concerts that I've ever been to? Top three favorite concerts. Here we go. First off, I did an internship in uh, in Berkeley in California in between my two years of grad school. I was out there for my birthday. My birthday is July 19th, coming up. No, I don't want you to celebrate it because I'm awkward about my birthdays. We can talk about that later. But I decided to poach tickets, scalp tickets, not poach tickets. That would be like shooting tickets illegally. Um, But I scalped tickets from, uh, I've never done that before, but I went to go see Gnarls Barkley. Um, They're the ones that sing, Well, I've been driving downtown with the girl I love. Anyway, so we know that one, Um, but uh, y'all know that track. So uh, I got to go out there, but it was funny because they came out on the stage and they said, we're very sorry. Gnarls Barkley is unable to be here tonight, but unfortunately we have Sam Cooke and the chefs 
And out came the entire Gnarls Barkley group uh, wearing chef's attire. They had uh, the backup singers were, were dressed like servers. Um, and the, uh, the, the Gnarls Barkley and Danger Mouse had the chef's hat on. They passed out free donuts to everybody. And they opened with Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf. Amazing memory. Next, I saw Jay-Z and Eminem perform at Yankee Stadium. It was the first concert ever in the brand new Yankee Stadium. They brought out all sorts of guests. It was incredible. Jay-Z, as you remember from last week, the number one rapper of all time in my book. And last but not least, my whole family, we got to go see Bob Dylan and Paul Simon perform at my favorite concert venue, which is called Jones Beach uh, in Long Island. And my whole family is a diehard Paul Simon family. Uh, and uh, so we're super excited to have that memory as well. Last but not least, my friends, the top three things that are still happening. The top three things that are still happening. First off, COVID-19. Don't know if you've caught the memo, y'all. Please wear a damn mask. Thank you. All right. Uh, number two. Something else that's still happening. Black lives still matter. Okay? They still matter. All right? We're not talking politics right here. We're talking about humanity. Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay, great. Cool. Um, And also, uh, the other thing that's still happening is Karen is still talking. Karen, I, I just need you to sit down. Okay? All the Karens in the world. All right? Take a seat. My friends, that's tonight's top three. Top three. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get to the show today. Tonight on the show, we have a great man. His name is Tom Krigelstein. Don't worry about how to spell the last name. I still don't know either. But he is an exceptional human being with even better hair. Um, and more than that, more than that, for me, I think I've told you this on this before, and if I haven't, uh, for me, I pick my mentors based on individuals that are about three, four years ahead of me in the game. Because the breadcrumbs that they're still leaving haven't disintegrated. Um, And I love that the way this man carries himself as a human being. I love the way he carries himself as a speaker, as an entrepreneur. Um, And he is just a consistent wealth of sage advice and great laughs. And he always takes me out for food that I've never eaten before in my life. Uh, And he's just an awesome human being. Y'all, clap it out for the one and only Tom Krigelstein. James! (laughs) James! <laughs> What's up, I buddy? Just, I, was told, I was just going to freeze and hold it so that you <laughs> thought that I was frozen <laughs> to start the show off on a down slope because then, you know what? You can only go up from there. You can open. Mm, yes, yes. That's yeah. like, it's like when I step on stage, I, I purposefully <laughs> trip, tumble <laughs> over, tumble over the stage, knock the mic down, break the speaker system, start a fire so that when I get on stage, like honestly, anything I say from that moment forward is automatically better than how I entered stage. It's automatically gold. (laughs) Kids, if you're listening now, start your expectations low and work up from there. That's it. Exactly. Life lesson number one. We're going to rattle them off tonight. Two, Two motivational speakers telling you Keep yourself in your shame holes for a little while longer because yeah. that yeah. incubation period is really going to pay off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, James, I know you have some questions here uh, and, and we're going to dig into the talk, but I realize it's, it's diner talk. So um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm actually at a diner right now and they just delivered my, my coffee. So I'm oh, just going to have a brother. sip. It's, yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. It's funny. This one says new mommy. Too, too blessed to be stressed. I don't know. This is a unique diner we're in here, but <laughs> let's just go with it. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure, and sorry, one more thing is I'm pretty sure appetizers just got served too, because here's my soup. Oh, Ooh, it's look a, it's at a, you. A, 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 mm. But please carry on with the show. Yeah, just, for sure. Yeah. What, what kind of soup are we uh, indulging in right now, Tom? <clears throat> well, thanks for asking, James. <laughs> this is, this is a, a garden vegetable variety soup um, with some additional spinach put in and some uh, uh, cheese. Uh, mm -hmm. And if anyone cares, it's organic. Oh, perfect. Good. We actually do actually a big organic following here on Diner Talks. Yeah, no, a lot of people are like, what's going on there? What kind of <laughs> cotton is that that you're wearing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, I think the viewership just tanked. So let's yeah. let's get let's get going. Well, here's right. an interesting thing. Why do we feel the need to say garden vegetables? Where else are people getting vegetables? Like it's like if we say garden vegetables, we're immediately picking like it's like some old woman, some old man is like plucked this carrot from the hand-grown field and be like that's why it tastes. It was plucked with love from a home garden. <laughs> I never uh, understood actually, the garden vegetable. Yeah, I, I think about it. You know, I've explored the option of doing aeroponics. So that's like the vertical gardens without soil and yeah. everything. So would it then be called an aeroponic vegetable soup? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited later on when we get into the hydroponic portion of the show. Um, and uh, I'm excited, excited about that. Uh, so good. So good. <laughs> Tom, so good to see you, brother. Here's a fun thing about you and I. Uh, we are both speakers predominantly in the college market, though we both dabble in the corporate world. Um, uh, and we were both uh, actually setting our courses to do that a little bit more, which has been fun uh, to learn from each other there. Um, but Oh, James, just a second. Um, they just delivered the main course over here. Oh, um, okay. It is, it is uh, a pizza. Uh, again, again, it's, it's veggie pizza. Um, it's, uh, it's cheese uh, on top with a little bit of uh, spinach sprinkled in. Uh -huh. um, and again, if anyone cares, it's organic. But, who, you know, if you care. Boom, organic drink. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I love that. Congratulations on getting your pizza delivered. Uh, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit jealous, brother. Is that is that real cheese on there, or is that like cashew cheese? No, no. I, I do. I do do. Real, I do do real cheese. You do do real cheese. Perfect. Perfect. Do do. When did you When did you switch to being a When When did the vegetarian lifestyle come into your world, brother? When When uh, When did you decide that that was the lifestyle for you? I could have asked a longer question at this time, I guess. Yeah, you couldn't have noticed based on the bite size. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did. Um, I wish I, I, I always wish I had a great epic answer to this, that it was yeah. based around something like I, I, I was traveling to the uh, a safari and just couldn't stomach it anymore. Something like that. But I don't. I was in high school. It was a Sunday night. And there's a Simpsons episode where Lisa Simpson becomes a vegetarian. Yeah, you can't make aired, friends with salad. And it aired that night. And the, the, the little lamb in the show said, don't eat me. And, and the next one, I went to bed that I went, I went to bed that night and I said, I'm going to be a vegetarian. Woke up the next morning and I just became a vegetarian. That was back in like 2009, or, sorry, 19... 98-ish, 97. Yes. Um, and then I went through the cycle. I went through junk food vegetarian. I went through 
uh, processed meat vegetarian. I went to raw food and no one wanted to be my friend when I was a raw foodist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just stopped getting invited places. <laughs> ended up ended up somewhere in the space. Like, so now where I'm at is I'm pescatarian of sorts, mostly because it's like, um, I, I kind of just want to eat what I want to eat, but I have no interest in meat. Um, it doesn't taste good to me. Um, I've tried it. I've certainly had it before many times uh, recently. And, and, and it's just like, it's just not my thing. So I care about animals. I care about the earth. Um, and I just, I like what I eat. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, I think it is. And I've loved it because when we lived in New York City together, uh, I would always have you pick the restaurants. I'm normally the restaurant picker, like in the friend group that I'm in. And just and also it's just something I, I pride myself on. It's like, I got it. I know, <laughs> I know a guy. I got a spot. Listen, listen, come on. Look at me. You think I don't eat good. You know what I mean? Come on. Right. And so like, so I always take advantage. I'm always, I'm always that person. And I love being able to carry that weight for individuals, but I don't think I have once asked you, can I please pick a restaurant for us to eat at? Because you have opened my eyes to so many cool different foods and different places and things like that. Um, and I'm super grateful that you've let me use you in that way. Hey man, anytime <laughs> you want to use me, please. <laughs> Here's another interesting thing. Going back into colleges, um, <clears throat> now that you're, I hope your pizza is delicious. This diner makes great pizzas, like all diners do. It's uh, make a high quality pizza. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. Continue. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, the other interesting thing, right, is that you know, and Martha talked about this here, like that that history books are also going to be rewritten during this time. Hopefully, <laughs> oh, let's let us please rewrite history um, in many a way right now, <clears throat> um, and. Uh, it's interesting because you and I, um, you and I are speakers, and I, I do a number of diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and stuff like that. I know you touch on it in some of your programs, but it's never it's never necessarily the focus of that, and that's okay, right? That's um, that, that's no shame in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I'm wondering, especially as you do stuff around new student orientation, you're talking um, and, and to these new these new groups of students that are coming in, uh, ideally um, more on fire about this situation. Um, I'm wondering, do you feel yourself, uh, like, do you think you'll talk about it a little bit more than potentially you normally would? Our main core message is creating a culture of connection. Mm -hmm. And a culture of connection is an environment, a space in which everyone, everyone feels welcome, connected, and engaged. And all there's all sorts of research at the university level and at the corporate level that talks about how valuable that level of engagement and connection means and matters. Um, and so the only way we can get to culture of connection is if everyone in that room feels like they belong there. And that will only happen when every voice is included when different, uh, uh, when different uh, personalities, uh, backgrounds, experiences, diversity, it's all brought together into that space. And instead of it pretending like it doesn't exist, that it's actually talked about and then also celebrated. Because also behind that is also, there's a lot of research talks about the value of diversity in a space. That the more ideas, the more backgrounds, the more experiences that come to the table in a conversation, the more uh, opportunities are going to come out of it. And so for us, it's a very much, it's a part of the conversation. Yeah. However, 
I don't come at it specifically from the, the diversity side. I come at it from the culture of connection side. And yes, Martha's saying dance floor theory. Yeah. So dance floor theory is the training training. And the outcome of dance floor theory is it's to create a culture of connection within your team or organization where everyone feels welcome, connected, and engaged. Ah! Where my fives at? Um, so, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love that, man. I love the approach um, because we also know that um, not everybody is ready for someone to step on stage and and jam, um, you know, some of these messages into their faces, right? Um, and so there is power to the on-rampers of the conversation, right? There's power to the individuals that are helping people get into the conversations, be a part of conversations that have been happening for centuries, decades, centuries, right? Um, and so, uh, so there's a way to get people in and kind of, uh, and get people to be like, oh, shoot, I guess that's kind of what they've been talking about, but I've been politicizing it when it didn't necessarily need to be politicized. It's really about humanity, connection, um, and some of those things. So I, I like that approach, brother. Uh, I'm excited to hear yeah. that you all aren't uh, aren't shying away from it. No, I will say one thing that is going to be a casualty of 2020 on our side is, uh, is free hugs. We're yeah. well known for it. Uh, it's a bit of a touchy subject right now to Nailed open it. up your arms and be like, come hug me, smother all your germs on yeah. me. Uh, we're going to have to wait a little bit to uh, bring that party back. Yeah, for sure. But you hold a world record, is it? Well, this is a long and peppered history, James. Okay, um, the, great. The, the, the long and the short is that me well, and Guinness, do, me, and Guinness <laughs> me and Guinness do not have a good relationship right now because – um, I have broken the record twice and have been uh, either taken over by someone else who broke it, and I disagree with their count method, and we've gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, uh, because I have nothing better to do in my life but to disagree <laughs> with, with how many hugs someone got. For those interested, is most number of hugs by one person in one minute. Uh, so we're going to go again this fall and see if we can reclaim this record of most number of hugs by one person in one minute. I uh, sorry, correction, not this fall. <laughs> some point later, at, at some fall. Yeah. What is it? What is your record right now? Oh, okay. So there is no record right now. I have zero record right now because of some uh, some. Initially, it was the celebrity uh, who overtook it on the View. He went on the View and and. Uh, uh, broke the record for most of our hugs by one person in one minute. Yeah. Uh, and, and he actually, uh, and it was just like, it was blatantly not according to the rules, but apparently um, he paid the $10,000 uh, or the view paid the $10,000 to get an official person there. And, you know, if you get someone, if you pay someone $10,000 to show up, apparently you kind of just get the record. Wow. Hashtag, cap hashtag capitalism, you know, it's how it works. Yeah. Okay. No, I can, I can, uh, I can smell the bitterness, brother, and I understand uh, because this record matters to you, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm I'm very uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I'm sorry I'm sorry that I brought up uh, such a touchy a subject. Bitter topic. Yeah, that's okay, James, because I just realized uh, the diner continues on with the meals here. Uh, it's dessert time. They actually just brought over. They brought over some fresh strawberries. Fresh Ooh. strawberries. Are those it's garden? Are those garden strawberries? organic garden <laughs> strawberries um and then how nice of them to bring over some whipping cream so oh, wow. i now have for dessert at your <laughs> diner at diner talks i now have uh, whipped cream and strawberries 
continue on with the conversation. Oh, yeah. No, this is perfect. This is what I wanted. Invite a more attractive man on him and have him eat whipped cream and strawberries in front of my entire audience and then see how many people still follow me afterwards. Um, <laughs> shout out to you. Can I, can I, where's my Where's my server? All right. We got to yeah, work on you- it over here. The mini, Minneapolis diners are different. Um, <laughs> I hope all I hope all your future guests do a three course meal in front of you, and you as a host and you as a host cannot eat. You have to wait. Yep, no, you have. That's it. Well, you know, um, a wise man once said that leaders eat last. So, uh, <laughs> what's his name? What's his name? So, Tom, here's the interesting thing: is that you yeah. are someone who is passionate about. Uh, about connection, right? Obviously, you just said your whole, your whole mission is culture of creating a culture of connection. Um, and, and I'm wondering, when did you first realize that that was something that was important to you? When were you like, yo, this kind of changed the game for me? This is something that I really want to point my ship at? Or was it just like, no one's talking about this, so let me fill in the gap? Was it, was it a business move for you? Or was it like, no, this matters at my core, and I want to tell other people why it matters, should matter to them? Oh man, that's a good, that's a good one because that kind of digs into my past and my current. And so I was, I was very much the person that was on the outskirts of every social group uh, in high school and growing up, not, not in a bad way. I was just friends with all of them. I would bop in and bop out and kind of go, I never went deep with any. And so that always kind of uh, was a question for me. Then I got to college and I, I made my really like a core group of deep friends there and realized that in that space, how much the value of having a group of friends were. However, I never was giving my all to something. So then post-college, I joined the entrepreneurs organization and got connected into a forum. And a forum is a, a group of eight to 10 people that meet monthly to really challenge and support each other to live life at its fullest uh, based on our own terms. And I gave a ton to this organization. I gave a ton to the group. And this group allowed me to process through some of the, the most challenging moments of my life, such as uh, uh, all, uh, going in debt uh, with a, a business, uh, getting fired from a company I was a part of that I had started, grown, um, a divorce that I went through, a, a remarriage, um, they, uh, almost a sale of a business or a bankruptcy of a business. Um, a, every, and then in the group itself, we've gone through topics. And I realized that in that space, the world would be a better place if everyone were plugged in to a positive, supportive community. The challenge is most people aren't. And there's a great book called Bowling Alone, which talks about the demise of bowling leagues in the American society. And it connected it attached to a a lot of social issues that are happening. And what the correlation or the, the, the hypothesis is that that in the United States, we are now less and less a part of groups that we go deep with for an extended period of time. We're more like the spiral graphs mm-hmm. uh, where we like dip in and then we dip out. We dip in and we dip out. But the real value and anyone who's looked into happiness and, and health knows that the real value comes from deep social connections with a small group of people over an extended period of time. And so for me, I think about that. And so now I think about how can I create a world in which everyone has an opportunity to be a part of that type of community? 
period. That's incredible. Period. <laughs> period. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love that. I've never heard that. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I know some of the stories within there, but I never, I never heard the whole thing. Um, and uh, would you recommend bowling alone? By the way, if not, I just told everybody you did. Um, but uh, <laughs> so it is. Um, uh, it's fascinating to me because you know, as someone who focuses a lot on connection. I don't know if you would identify as an introvert or an extrovert. Where do you where do you typically put yourself on that scale? Ambivert. I'm um, right in okay, the middle. Right in the middle. Good. Thanks. Way to not answer my question. And um, <laughs> so um, I'm a solid five at everything I do. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, that's all. Awesome. Okay. So you're so you're right in the middle of the ambivert. Um, and and uh, and and for you. You know, through everything that you've been through, everything that you've been through, I'm curious, like, let's go back to a couple of those things that you just kind of touched on a little bit. Um, you know, the business that you had grown, had started with with a friend of yours and then that whole thing kind of tanking. Um, what was that experience like and how did you as a man in that moment own up to some of that to, to essentially what most would call failure? Um, right. Um, and so. I'd be curious to hear how did you how did you decide to lean on people in that moment during what was a really dark period for you? <clears throat> I met a I met a guy named Kevin at a, a program where I got trained on facilitation called Quantum Learning Network, and it was entrepreneurial love at first sight. And he had come out of a tech company and wanted to get an education, and I was just starting to speak at education, so we started to talk about this idea of dance floor theory. And, and we brought that to the market in college. Um, but along the way, his tech side started popping up of like, we should automate this, build a program to make this happen. And that led us down this road of building software that ultimately called Red Rover, um, got into tech stars here in New York City, uh, and then went into corporate as knowledge management software. Anyways, that's all background to say that by the end of uh, several years, the work we were doing was not my passion. It was not my core. And I was, I was the, the, the minority shareholder. And I, if anyone's ever a minority shareholder in a company, know that you do not have all the rights as the majority shareholder. <laughs> and so Kevin and the board um, made the decision that I was no longer a good fit for the, the company, my company, the company I started. <laughs> and at the time, it felt horrible. Yeah, like dude. I felt like someone was, was, rejecting me um, and saying I could not do it and, and and it hurt and I Kevin and I did not get along I didn't like him for a long time spoiler alert Kevin and I are best friends right uh, now and and have been for a while uh, but in the moment it was not a good situation because I felt like he was rejecting me and rejecting my skills um, and I went at the time I was part of a forum and my forum was uh, I leaned on them and I realized that that uh, everyone, and I'll just say this because I do enough, enough training and facilitation, I know everyone carries some sort of pain around with them. Sure. The problem is most people have no place to release that pain. And so they're keeping it inside. And it's manifesting itself in a lot of different ways, uh, unhealthy ways. One of those biggest ways is with health itself. If we're not releasing the pain, it's going to show up in our health. Uh, but it also shows up as continually bad habits, whether it's in the next relationship or in the next business or in our own yeah. self. 
And so um, I encourage anyone who's listening, if they have pain, find some way to release it. The number one top ways I'm just going to recommend are with someone you trust. Uh, if you don't have that someone you trust, uh, get a coach or a therapist uh, if you're willing to pay for it. If you don't have the money, do that. Uh, I remember my freshman year of college, a speaker, Patrick Combs, came to my school and he said, hey, everyone, I, you know, like, I'm just going to give out a tip right now. And those who hear it will hear it. And I, I said, uh, journal. I can't tell you how valuable journaling will be for you, but I'm telling you it's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. So that night I went home to my journal. I opened it up and the first page in 2001 says, dear journal, I don't know why I'm doing this, but Patrick told me to do it. <laughs> Fast forward to my 40th birthday this year and uh, coming up on my 40th and, and I still journal because journaling for me is a way to take the thoughts that just keep going bing, 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 back and forth, back and forth, and just release it somewhere. And yeah. it doesn't cost any money. Mm-hmm. So I don't, uh, so those are, that, that happened. That's how I took that, that moment of the, the negative experience of, 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 the, of the getting fired and allowing myself to at least find stability so that I could grow from it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. And and did that uh, would you say that that happened pretty instantaneously? Of like, yo, I got fired. I feel like I failed. Cool, I got this forum. Let me lean in. Or did you take a couple of months to be like, yo, I suck. Like I'm terrible. Like how did how did this happen? Like did you, you know, was it was there a, was there a dark period in there? Or was your forum kind of like right there? Was that was that safety net like right under the ledge that you just fell off of, so you didn't actually fall that far? Yeah, the safety net was there. That's Good. the value of having this group. And again, to anyone who's listening is, is put, the, put the effort in now to keep your core friends close. To, like, actually, I, I would encourage everyone, uh, you know, Dunbar has this number that's the, the 140. It's like the number of people we can, the, the human brain can socially keep in our, in our brains uh, is about 140. It, it varies. But it's not just there's 140 people that we can keep. It's, it's, there's actually tiers. And in his, in his uh, research, he found that the tiers start at around five, that their inner core is about five people, and then it's 10, then 15, then 30, then 60, uh, and then 120 or 140. So I encourage everyone to actually take their group of people and find that five to 10, write them down, and just figure out a way to repeatedly stay in touch to keep that connection going. Because in those moments when we when we need them, if we've done all the prior sort of like relationship building and everything, they're yeah. going to be the ones that are the foundation that just hold us there, so that we don't drop all the way through. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, brother. Um, <clears throat> I love that. I love that. And here's the other thing, cool thing about you, Tom, is that you are a, uh, a self-subscribed, prescribed, or whatever, whatever the right word is there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am not a grammarian. Um, but uh, you, you're a proud optimist, um, right? Optimism is something that runs through your veins. You can hear just by the way that you talk, right? Um, it's like, you know, even in this moment where it's like, tell us about the dirt. You're like, and then there was light. And you're like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> and right, and that, that's okay. Um, but I'm curious for you, when did that optimism come to play? Like, was that always a part of who you were? Um, is that something like, you know, if I, if we were to get your parents on here real quick, come on in. Um, right, if we were going to get them in here, would they be like, you know, our boy's always 
always been an optimist. Um, and like, you know, where, when did you become an optimist? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I have always been, uh, I've always had a sparkle for hope. Mm, I saw, uh, I read like, that in your Twitter profile. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> What's funny is you're about to say in your like your Tinder profile, but then you realize I'm fully married and happily yeah, yeah, married. Yeah. And like, and then it would also be awkward. And then it'd be awkward why you were on Tinder and then that would lead to then our, our wives would have swipe, a conversation. Swipe, swipe. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so in, in, Enlightenment Now is a book. If you want to throw that in the recommendation there, Enlightenment Now. I think it, uh, Pink, Pinker, Pinker something, 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 Stephen, Stephen something. Uh, Bill Gates said it's the, if, if he could recommend one book to everyone, that would be the one book he'd have everyone read. And there's a there's a, a line in there that says uh, it talks about the philosophy that that he uses, um, and it talks about every problem is just a matter of a lack of information, and that's how I think about it. So I'm not. It's not a blind optimism to um, uh, an issue comes up and we're just gonna. It, it, it's magically gonna happen. This isn't like the secret, you know, like sit and wait and just manifest the, the outcome. <laughs> This is based I on my trip to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> you pray love. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the, the this is the idea that um, I do have a belief that there is a solution. I just don't have the information for it yet. And so what I'm going to do is give my all to it to figure it out. And so I'm going to put a lot of work into it. And this is uh, and I'm going to put a lot of work into it. And then. Uh, I'm going to be an overnight success in that space in, in 10 years. And, and I think that most people, especially younger generations, when I'm talking to them at college, is they want the success now. They want to solve the problem now. And I'm telling them, like, it takes time. And especially if you're trying to do good work, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. Uh, it, it does it does take that time, but it's hard Um it's hard in those, it's hard in that moment sometimes uh, to see the light, right? Especially like, you know, we talked about, you mentioned some deeper things like divorce um, and stuff like that. And right, like, and there's, there, I mean, as someone, you and yeah. I, you and I went through our divorces, uh, they were, they were very different divorces, um, but uh, at least the roles that we played in them. Um, and, uh, but, but at the same time, there, there's a lot of darkness in there. Um, and those yeah. are some tougher times sometimes come through, but like, knowing that there is that potential, like, again, like, uh, just being able to start finding some of those answers to solve some of those problems and recognizing that we're just, you know, one answer away, a few answers away, um, is beautiful. Um, but there is also that power of, of sitting in it sometimes of yeah, sitting in it, reflecting, right. And maybe that's what journaling is for you a little bit. Do you think? Here, let me just answer, talk about that sitting in it for a little while, because yeah. the problem is, is that when I when I was in it, I didn't want to be in it at all. However, now that I'm not in it and I recognize how much I learned and the lessons I learned and like how powerful those lessons were, I, I wish there were a way to simulate it without having to be in it. So that I could go and be like, oh, I want to grab, I want to, I, as a, a self-help junkie, I kind of want like, I want to get the lessons, but yeah. not have to actually experience it. But I think the challenges is, is like, it has to be, it, we have to go to that deep place 
and sit in that muck for a while to allow the lessons to happen that needed to happen. It's like a, a sports a top level sports people yeah. will never talk about the games they won. They'll always talk about the games they lost. Sure. Yep. And it's because it's like the best lessons are coming from those moments of just, just pain. Mm-hmm. And 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 I know in my divorce um, that those were that was that was horrible. That whole year was horrible for me, um, and I got through it. And I'm so thankful I got to experience it. Never want to experience again. I I am never going to experience it again. Yeah, right. um, and I'm and I'm happily married to the woman that is amazing for me. Um, however, I do love the lessons I learned about myself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you find, um, do you, uh, you journal, do you journal every day, weekly? How often would you say that you're, you're putting pen to pen? Uh, or is it during just specific points of like, Hey, I'm kind of feeling down or I'm feeling really up. Like, is it, you, have you noticed a pattern? Uh, it's it, 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 ideally it's every day, but I would mm-hmm. say every second, third day, yeah, something goes in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I tr- and I try not to just get like the down points. I also try and get the up points mm-hmm. uh, and celebrate the wins. Uh, but I have I have hundreds of pages of journal, which are crazy. It's funny to look back on some of them. Like, oh my god, I can't believe my mental space during that time. <laughs> you know, I love it. <laughs> have you journal? Have you journal? Have you tried it? I have, yeah. I have done some journaling. Uh, it was more of what you just talked about, where it was like pretty much only dark. Like if yeah. I were to go back and read that, like I don't, I don't want anybody to ever see it. Was like, oh wow, okay, oh this is this is a little dark. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it was mainly during that time. And also, uh, I actually, I also journaled at the beginning of, of the relationship that I uh, that I'm now in and, and married to Tina. I journaled at the beginning um, through some things that I was like, this part isn't perfect. Why does yeah. that matter? Why does that matter to me? Right. And like, you know, what about this and what about that? Because I think, you know, it's hard when you leave a relationship that was good. It just wasn't great. Um, It's hard to then be like, okay, well, then what is great? Right. And it's easy to judge the other person to be like, well, you're not great. Right. It's like, no, bro. Like, why? Why does this thing bother you? And let's let's talk about that. Right. And so journaling through some of that of like, you know, get over your own stuff and your own. Why are you putting this on other people when you need to be looking in the mirror some days? Um, And so some of that was was healthy and was uh, not necessarily optimistic, but it wasn't all super dark. But those are the times where I found where I'm confused is when I turn to journaling. Um, and when I am, uh, when I am very stressed out and when I'm go, 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 and I just feel like a super overwhelmed, that's when I turn to meditation. I know you also meditate yoga, is a, you're a big practice in your world as well. Um, and, uh, and so, but that's when I turn to meditation where it's like, I need to slow down. Um, and I, uh, want to meditate more frequently, um, than I currently do. Um, uh, but I'm very grateful that I have that practice in my life, even to the, to the small amount that it is. Cool. I love I love it. And and it's great to hear you're you're digging a bit into it because uh, meditation was one of the things I did for years prior to the divorce. Um and, and I it was essentially all I was doing was training. I didn't know I was. I didn't know I was training to calm my brain down um for something serious, but that's exactly what happened is because then I got to the actual moment 
and my anxiety rose up. And I remember it felt like someone was inside my stomach, just punching me over and over and over again. Yeah. And because of all that training and, and just breathing, I was able to calm down. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was really big. And, and so, yeah. Um, I want to say, can I say something on the journaling for, for no, anyone who, who, no, I can't, you have to write it down. <laughs> Let me write it down and send it to you. No, please do brother. Um, one, one thing that's important for anyone who wants to journal is the, um, the why over the what. So when I journal, I don't focus on what happened. I focus on why what happened mattered. So for example, James, you and I might get a puppy and we both write in our journal, I got a puppy today, exclamation point, and, and leave it at that. And that's fine. But why does that puppy matter to you? I might say, because, oh, I love puppies. I've always wanted a puppy. But you might say, a puppy matters to me because Papa, Papa James would never allow me to have a puppy because he said we couldn't afford it. And only those who have money can have a puppy. And because now I'm financially free and on my own, I can truly buy a puppy. So to me, it means success. Now, all of a sudden, I understand that you having a puppy means a lot. And so that's the difference. Whenever I journal, I put one line about what happened or two lines, but then the rest of it is why does that matter? Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That reminds me in musical improv and uh, musical improv, you know, in improv, we know the rule of yes. And right. You're constantly building saying yes. And here's how I feel about, and here's another piece of information. Um, and uh, in musical improv where you have an accompanist on the side of the stage from you and, uh, and there's that moment in a typical music where the two characters are like, Oh, our emotions, are, our emotions are so high. We can no longer talk. We must sing. And the accompanist comes in, right. And they start singing about their emotions. Um, like that moment, um, what the accompanist is looking for is a want, is a why, because it's not just, we're not going to sing about how we all just got bicycles. We're going to sing about what this bicycle means, yeah. right? It's the opportunity to, to create wealth. It's the opportunity to leave a home that is broken. It's the opportunity to, for freedom, like whatever, but like finding that why is super important. And this is when, when so many people, so many people come up to us and are like, Oh, I want to be a speaker. Oh, I want a speaker. Right. And it's like, and they want to know how to do it. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that I believe you do as well as we back it up is well, let's talk about the why first, like, like why, why do you want to do this? And okay. If that is your why is speaking the best way for you to deliver your why, or is it teaching or is it coaching or is it this, right? Like there are so many, when we back it up, instead of just seeing the shiny thing, when we back it up, we start to unpack like, oh, here is the core. Here's the, here's the trunk of the tree. Um, where are we going from here? Yeah, that's good. I remember someone. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, and, yes, and. Da, 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 da. And I got a bicycle and you got a bicycle. <laughs> Oh, I love my bicycle. Um, I remember, because uh, I'm a huge fan of reading too. And so uh, I, I, somewhere I heard the quote that I read to lose myself, but I write to find myself. Mm. And so I, I today I was actually writing a ton for our Dance War Theory book, Culture Connection book. And it's like, I'm 46,000 words into it. But as I write it, I just feel so much of the, like the, the passion for, these small, these like communities and groups coming in. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, just a huge proponent of, of journaling. That's it. Yeah. I love and that. Whi- and, and whipped cream. And whipped cream. Here we go, folks. All right. All right. This is getting a little weird. 
and your whipped cream has gotten a little bit too sexy. Uh, Tom, let's jump into a segment of the show that I like to call Things You Didn't Know About Me But Are Now Glad That You Do. It's a long title, but I think it's worth it. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. So I am, uh, so I'm curious, Tom, you know, we got, we both have some random facts uh, that we have about ourselves. And uh, so I will, I'll share a fact first uh, about myself, and then I would love to hear a random fact about you. How's that sound? Great. I love random facts. Perfect. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> my first pet uh, my first pet uh, was a fish. It was a fish tank, multiple, multiple pets. It was a fish tank, um, and there was a blue gourami in there that I loved to death. It was the only fish that lasted more than two weeks. I was a terrible father. Um, but this blue gourami lasted for almost a year, so much so that all of the other fish got the proper, typical fish burial, a.k.a. the toilet run, Shout out to Nemo, um, but the uh, but uh, but the blue garami we made a headstone for and buried out front because it was just such a long running member of our family. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just a moment of silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, brother? <laughs> In middle school, I used to carry around a picture of a famous celebrity in my wallet. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, sorry, high school. In high school, I used to carry around a picture of a famous celebrity in my wallet because I so wanted my hair to look just like his hair. And so it was inspiration for me at any given moment. Plus, when I went to the barber, I kept trying to get my hair to look just like this celebrity. Uh, and so that celebrity is Brad Pitt, Ooh. 1998. Incredible. How long did you rock the Brad Pitt hairstyle? Uh, so freshman, sophomore, junior year of high yeah. school. And then by senior year, I cut it. And then it went Backstreet Boys. And then eventually I rounded out to a style that's now called the COVID cut. <laughs> <laughs> mm, hashtag, yes, yes, yes. hashtag trademark. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's let me let me let me take the logo down here so you can see the coiffure oh. that is happening right here, my friends. Tom Quigglesley, known as the best hair in higher ed. Uh, <laughs> I love it, brother. Here's a fun fact that's embarrassing that I didn't anticipate sharing uh, right now. But um, you know, when we are younger and learning about ourselves. Uh, particularly as young boys, um, oh, we boy. we become attracted to different things, and uh, and so you know the age that we grew up in. We're only we're only two years apart, so I know we grew up in the same age. Uh, but we grew up with three and a half inch. They were called floppy discs, but there wasn't anything floppy about them. Um, but uh, three and a half inch floppy discs, and uh, so I used to save images of of female celebrities that I found very attractive onto three and a half inch floppy disks. Um, and, and I hid them and I hid them. And then I eventually went away to college and it was around my junior year, around my junior year. And, and, and you know, I respect my father for the way that he did this, uh, but he waited for a family dinner. A family dinner. He had cleaned out the, the the computer area. We had upgraded our computers back at home and whatnot. And before he did that, he wanted to make sure there was nothing important on any of the floppy disks that he found. 
And so uh, the computer was long gone. We no longer had even a computer that could use this. It was then I came home. It was like Thanksgiving or maybe the following summer at a barbecue or something like that. And he goes, in a moment of silence, says, hey, James, uh, by the way, I found your discs. And I was like, and by this time, it was like three years ago, right? Like, I didn't even remember. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you don't remember? And then he proceeded to tell everybody at the party what was on these floppy disks. And though I was embarrassed, I was also extremely proud of him. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. The the surprising thing is that he had a, a floppy disk drive still to be able to use them you know like that's oh he didn't know he had gotten rid of right it was it was right before i guess he had thrown out that computer when i was around uh i agree thank you my brother um, um but uh but yeah apparently he had thrown out that computer and right before he threw it out he's like let me just make sure there's nothing important uh on here so and then he just held on to that memory which was beautiful so i love it i love it i love How about it you brother let's it. hit him with one more um, when I, oh yeah, this is a good one. I was, I was doing a work over in, um, Indonesia, uh, for a, a, a summer program over there. And, and, uh, one of my coworkers, uh, lost her, her passport. So we're at the airport and we, da- we like needed to get back to the States to do another program. Yeah. So we're at the airport on a Sunday or whatever. And uh, she lost it, and they said they're like they're the security guards there, and like there's no way we're gonna you could get through with your passport. You need to talk to the consulate to get a passport, and and so, uh, but the consulate was closed on Sunday, so that meant we'd have to wait till Monday. So bad news basically. And the guy had a, a, one of those big guns, uh, and he was yeah. one of the local Indonesian uh, immigration people. And he leaves the room, and while he leaves, I turn to my coworker, and I'm like, I, I, I think we should try and bribe him. And, uh, and, and this is, yeah, uh, this is the hashtag white privilege showing up real strong. Cause I thought that would be a good idea. Um, so he comes back in the room uh, and my, my part, uh, the partner was like, no way there's I'm not, I have no part in this at all. So I come back, uh, the guy comes back in the room. And he's like, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. So I reach into my pocket and I grab whatever, like physical cash I had and I place it on the table and I slide it over to him and I say, will this change your mind? Because we're like in this, and I lift my hand up and uh, it's the equipment and he starts laughing. And I'm like, and I look down to see how much I put there. And it's roughly like in Indonesia, it ends up being about five US dollars that I was bribing <laughs> this guy with. So he starts hysterically, he's, yeah, he starts hysterically laughing. And I like nervously go, ha, 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 like laughing with him, thinking it's funny. And so he takes out this piece of paper, stamps it, hands it to us and he says, I'll tell you what, this will get you to Paris, but once you're in Paris, you'll have to deal with them there and figure it out. But at least you'll get out of Indonesia. He says, all I ask is for one favor from you. And I go, anything, I'm like, what is it? And he goes, um, when I come to your country, can you treat me as well as I have treated you here? And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, I don't know about our immigration here in the US, but I cannot thank I cannot thank that guy enough for letting us through, but more importantly, I cannot thank him enough for not putting me on the next episode of Locked Up Abroad because that was like (laughs) two steps from being on that show. Wow, dude, that's crazy. How long ago was this? When was this? 2008, 9. Okay, okay. Did did he take the $5? No, 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 didn't take it. Didn't take it. (laughs) 
Like, I think you I'm, showed him. <laughs> America. America. Oh man. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, that was um that's the uh, one of my lesser um moments of 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 of, of uh right. paying attention to what I should or shouldn't do. Decision making, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's rich right there, brother. I appreciate it. Let's yeah. jump back. Side, side, note, side note, James, I would love to go uh, travel to Indonesia with you. I got some extra money. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, th- thank you. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, thanks so much. Uh, I'm sure inflation isn't a thing there and, uh, and we're going to be great. Yeah. I love it. And you have a passport now? Yes. Or... <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Great. Cool. Uh, that's funny because we're not allowed to leave the United States anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. In fact, everyone's blocking us, uh, yeah. rightfully so, because we're uh, we're we're causing the trouble now. Which, yeah. Yep. Wear a mask. So. Yep. <laughs> uh, Anyways. Anyway. So here's an interesting thing, Dom, is that you are again, as we talked about, you are passionate about connection, and you're passionate about creating connection for others. Um, but as you mentioned, you just entered a, a new, absolutely beautiful marriage. Uh, your wedding was stunning, uh, and uh, it was just such a perfect day as a wedding should be. Uh, location was a win. A ten out of ten would go again. Um, but uh, but still, uh, but you also entered a a fascinating relationship as well. And so I'm curious, you now entered a role of being a step, a stepdad. And so I'd just be curious to hear as someone who is passionate about connection and someone who is trying to create moments of individuals who, uh, that, that create safety, that create spaces where they can live and, and be free. I'd be curious, how has, uh, how has that been for you in, in entering a new family like that? Yeah. Uh, James, first off, let me say on the wedding, if uh, I need to make sure I shout out the MC because the MC was stellar. Uh, five out of five on Yelp. I think if anyone's looking for an MC, he's right there. His name is James. Good luck uh, James spelling was, either of our last names. Yeah, James, James was on point uh, as the MC of the wedding. So again, thank you for that and making it happen. Uh, but yes, I did. I did uh, marry a woman, a beautiful woman, amazing woman, way smarter than I am woman um, right. who, who had a bonus, uh, which was a daughter. And for me, that was uh, uh, something I, I wasn't uh, looking for. However, I am blessed and happy that uh, she came into my life and I came into her life. Um, and I quickly, like I do with everything, I went and tried to find as many books as I could about the topic and read and tried to understand it. And surprisingly, mm. there's not a ton. But yet, uh, about 50% of, of the youth in America live with just one biological parent. Doesn't mean they live with one other, but it means that they're either in a single home or they have a, a step parent of some sort. Yeah. Uh, the, and the majority of those are stepdads because typically, the woman, uh, the child stays with the woman um, afterwards, typically. I'm not saying this always, but statistically, that's the case. Um, so I entered into this, and um, and we said we wanted to do it right. Like, we just yeah. want to show that blended families can be a beautiful thing. Um, and, and it is. It really, really is. There's so many amazing moments that we get to have as a family. Um, and we even came up with a name for myself, which is Tata, which is dad and Serbian because her mom's Serbian, uh, my wife's Serbian. So that's dad and Serbian. And, um, and, and it was a, 
similar to like dance floor theory that has that levels of engagement, the same is true. Like we just built into it slowly to the point where I, 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 she is my daughter and I am her dad. I am her Tata. Um, and, and, and I think I lucked out because she is simply just an amazing daughter, uh, in, in all possible aspects of it. I honestly think if the, the Dalai Lama passes away, you know, and they go on the search for the new Dalai Lama, they're going to knock on our door and be like, we have come for her. You know, like take her away. <laughs> She's walking she, around with the glow at all points. You're like, there's just something different about her in a really yeah. cool way. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, even it's just her ability to process emotions and think about it and write about it and reflect on it are just, I, I, I learn so much from her every day. And so for me, it's a blessing to, to be able to, to guide her um, with what I know about life. And so I'm really happy. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Uh, I love that. And I love watching. Uh, I love watching the way that you handle, um, you all handle a situation that like, you're right. I mean, there aren't a lot of books about. Um, and and we, we all know the examples more so than when people get it wrong than when people get it right. And uh, it's really, it's really beautiful to watch the way that you put into in the work. And I think it's also interesting yeah. because you had the opportunity to go to Serbia at least once or twice now. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, big language barrier there for you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you knew the pleasantries, um, but uh, but you didn't know a, a ton of it. I'd be curious again, as someone who pa- prides themselves on making connection, how was that for you in uh, you know going to that, uh, going to Serbia and and going to a place where you wanted to impress, right? Like everybody wants to impress their person's family and be like, well, let me show you why I'm so great, right? And the <laughs> hair only gets you so far. Um, and so I'm wondering, how was that experience for you in, in, in meeting her family and trying to get them to, to fall in love with you beyond the fact that she liked you? Yeah. So some tips. First, wear a shirt that says everything's bigger in America. Um, <laughs> with the Texas flag. <laughs> and, and, and then have a big jar of peanut butter. Those are like two ways to win sure. over anyone in the world. You are passionate about peanut butter. That is something we truth. share in common. Truth, yeah. truth, truth, truth. <laughs> um, but, but, but in all seriousness, I will say there's the difference between a tourist and a traveler. The tourist shows up and says that I, I, what I know is right, and I'm going to show you all why it's right. And the traveler shows up and, and with a curious and open mind. And so for me, uh, when thinking about connection, is I show up in a space that um, I know very little about the history, I know very little about the culture, and so but I show up with an open mind and curiosity to want to learn. And I've I've traveled to fifty some countries around the world, and it never fails to show up with that type of mentality as a way to be able to break down the ice and, and connect with people. And I'll, and I'll say this, just a, a final note is that um, everyone around the world is way nicer than they are on the news. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've never, the, 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 yeah, there's a guy who got paid to travel around the world, uh, dancing everywhere, Matt something. Um, and, and he said, it, someone asked him like, where was the most dangerous place you've ever been? And he said, uh, he said like, uh, uh, the U.S. <laughs> it's like, ouch. So uh, I've, I've felt nothing but love all over the world, honestly. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Did you have any? Uh, did you have any awkward moments where you said the wrong thing, or or any? And did any, any funny moments happen while you were over there? 
Yeah, the, one of the big ones is is you know you're Minnesota, a hey, Minnesota nice. Oh sure. Oh there we go now. Um, okay. Yeah, born <laughs> in Michigan, grew up in Illinois, Midwest. You know, in Midwest, like don't ruffle the feathers, don't rock the boat. Like keep everything. If if there's conflict, this is a bad thing. Just hold your opinion to yourself, kind of deal. Um, and honestly, it, Eastern Europe is not that way at all. Mm-hmm. And and. And so I remember there was this conversation her, uh, my wife and her sister were having. It was like going on, and my sense was like, oh my gosh, what is happening in this conversation? They're fighting. And I came after her, I said, what, what were you two talking about? And like, that was a serious fight you were having. And she goes, oh, we were just talking about the weather. I was like, that's the weather? <laughs> Good Lord, I can only imagine what a real fight sounds like. So. Uh, it's been that's been a learning curve for me is understanding um, that culturally in the Midwest that conflict was a bad thing, um, and I've, I've actually had to rewrite that for myself quite a bit, both in business and in life, but in my relationship is that um, conflict can be really healthy if it's done right, and I've and I've learned a lot. I've worked a lot on that to allow myself to have healthy conflict and be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful message, man. You know, I once heard a stand-up comic here in Minnesota say, "Listen, you'll never, you'll never be able to win a fight with a Minnesotan because you just keep punching them in the face and they just keep apologizing." Um, <laughs> and it's so funny because we went to uh, we went to before we moved here, uh, we went to a number. We came back and went to a number of family Christmases, and, and that they're a great time. Tina's got a great family here, uh, but it's so funny because you know you do the whatever the white elephant or the whatever the gift exchange thing is or or sometimes they'll or sometimes they'll do a, they'll pick you know they kind of alternate doing that one year and then the other year uh, they pick names of the hat and you get one person like secret santa type stuff and uh, and so whenever it's a secret santa year it is uh, it is sometimes painful to be there because literally right before anybody opens up their gift, like okay, uh, go ahead, uh, Aunt Terry, it's your, it's your turn, and then whoever bought Aunt Terry the gift will immediately out themselves and just be like, "I'm so sorry, it's probably the wrong size. You're probably not going to like it. I don't really, I don't even know if it's like you, but I, like I saw it and I just really thought it could be you, and I just really thought, and so I'm just really sorry." And then, like literally haven't removed one piece of tape from the wrapping yet. And I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, it, it was a humorous, a humorous, true Minnesotan moment that I've experienced. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, and being ro- raised in New York um, and, and being, being a New Yorker, and then we were raised on Long Island, so we're a little softer, right? It's not like we're from the Bronx or something <laughs> like that. Um, my dad is from the Bronx, and you'll be able to tell that when you meet him. Um, but, uh, but, but still, uh, like I, I just never grew up in that, in that situation. And so now whenever Tina's mom apologized to me about something, she's like, I'm sorry, uh, I know the chicken is a little bit, you know, or I'm sorry, uh, you know, I know that I put my, my shoes in your way, like five feet in the path close to where you may walk one time in the next 20 days. Um, and I'm always like, thank you. Thank you for apologizing. I, I needed that. <laughs> and they just don't, they don't know what to do with me. I, I don't know if they've determined if they like me yet or not, but it's been fun. <laughs> have you, have you, have you, in terms of your, like, does not, I want to say desire for conflict or your desire to like attack the problem like let's talk about the issue directly mm-hmm. and you had to tone that down in the midwest or do you feel like you're doing it and then there's 
consequences of it because everyone's saying sorry back to you. Yeah, I don't, it depends on the person, um, but I am definitely, uh, hey, let's let's come for the neck, right? Like, let's let's go, let's get it out there. Like, everybody's talking about everybody in this passive aggressive way, um, but we're not actually ever getting to the issue, right? Yeah. And uh, and it's and it's a lot of like so and so is talking to so and so about so and so, but no one's talking to so um, and so. Uh, and and I've just noticed that a number in friend groups and family groups and and, and a bunch of groups around here, uh, and so. Yeah, I don't, there are some times where like, I don't know, even sometimes when I'm talking to like waiters, like I, I said, I said, uh, I sent a sandwich that I had back the other day and the people at the table were like, you're doing what? Whoa. Sending a, like, what are you doing? No, no, you should have. <laughs> and like everybody was blown away that I like sent something back. I was like, it was burnt. It was a burnt sandwich. Um, like, like watch it crumble. And uh, they were, and like literally people still talk about like, oh, Jimmy sent sandwiches back over here, right? <laughs> it's like, it was the news. <laughs> Jimmy so, yeah. sent sandwiches back. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a truth. I, that's why I mean, I'm here on the East Coast and I like the East Coast uh, because it's a, I get the, I get to be a bit more direct. Um, but I've had to learn, definitely had to learn. It's not, it's not, it didn't come natural for me. It still doesn't come natural for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Tom, brother, I am so excited that we got to hang out this evening, man. It's been so dope kicking it with you. I hope you'll hang out for some uh, for some Q and A. Are you down? Are you down to, to see if people have some questions that got asked in the chat? Um, are you down to hang out for a little bit? Uh, I, I certainly am. Uh, while you're while you're queuing up those questions, um, I'm just gonna make. I, I had two comments here. One was about the the Karen, the name Karen. Um, I am I am uh, short selling the stock and the name Karen because I guarantee no one's naming their children Karen anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> just the, it, you know, it's like I, I really hope Tom continues to only be a, a history thing of like Uncle Tom and never a new thing. I'm like, I, I remember when when I became an uncle, my family was like, mm, we're not going to use Uncle Tom. We're just not going to use it. You're going to be. You're, they call me. Uh, uh, Uncle Moss, because they didn't want to have that historical reference. And I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, that <laughs> one. And then I was curious what poached tickets were, but now I, I thought it was like a food thing, a reference to diner talks, but I think I understand now. Or are you, you going to teach me? I don't even know yeah. what I remember. When, when did I say that one? In your, in your top three, when you're talking about concerts and stuff, you said poached and then you said scalped. Poached. Yeah. Just, scalped. Yeah. I just and I meant thinking, to say scalped, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking poached like a like a you know you, you poach an egg. Yeah, yeah. If you want to poach about. a ticket, you got to get the water spinning first, uh, and the vinegar in there, and then you drop the ticket in. <laughs> it all yeah, makes no. sense now. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for coming through. I appreciate it. Hey, y'all, if you're listening to the podcast uh, and you want to hear more from Tom, make sure that you check out my YouTube page. Just type in James Rebelata on YouTube. It'll punch in um, and check out my episode with Tom just so you can hear this awesome Q&A with him. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please like, please subscribe, uh, and you all have an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, <laughs> come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.